Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em, fight, 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 go. We are back with another edition of the Purple Podcast here in lovely Eden Prairie, Minnesota, on location today for this edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN. I cover the Vikings for them. Joined, as always, by Judd Zolgad of 1500 ESPN's Mackie and Judd Show. We will be breaking down the first preseason game. We'll be previewing the second one. We're going to talk Christian Ponder and possibly even Al Jazeera. That's that a very fitting. That's sentence. a very very fitting duel right there. In some ways, There's I don't know a joke how there somewhere, but we'll find fitting. out by the end of this podcast. Exactly. But we will start by reviewing the start of the Vikings preseason. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals, if that matters at all, seventeen to sixteen on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judd, what was your big takeaway? as the Vikings get on the field for the first time? I would say it was the uh, first two offensive series, which are when the Vikings' first-team offense was on the field, the first one being absolutely brutal, uh, Bridgewater getting sacked, the offensive line in that series looking absolutely inept, and then coming back in the second series and being basically backed up after stopping uh, the Bengals on fourth down at, I believe, the Vikings' three-yard line. Yes. And uh, McKinnon almost getting tackled for a safety in his end zone, but that then prompting a very nice drive that ends with the 49-yard pass from Bridgewater to uh, Johnson for a touchdown. Uh, The second series, to me, offensively was encouraging, Ben. And then I would say from the first-team defense, my takeaway was that uh, Mike Zimmer had a good reason not to be very pleased. The run defense did not look great, uh, but once again... It is the first preseason game. Yes. So so I am loath to get too excited about what we saw. I think there's some good takeaways. But I don't like to get too excited about what we saw that was good. Conversely, I'm not going to get overly excited about a defense, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, basically had the first teamers in for one series. Yeah, they did. And I, I, it is interesting to hear Mike Zimmer talk about what he didn't like about the defense because, yes, it's the first preseason game, but we have seen them – 
struggle with run defense and, and misfitting things and, and that kind of thing before, it, it is a little odd to me that a team that is so bent on playing sound fundamental football struggles with run fits as much as they seem to do. And it, it is one of those things that I know Mike Zimmer wants to improve mm-hmm. and one of those things that I think they will probably work at quite a bit because I don't think he's got a lot of tolerance for that after being pretty bad at it in 2014 and, and just kind of so-so at it last year. He said last week that he thinks the thing they do the best is to rush the passer. Well, to be able to do that, you can't get into the the second and short, third and short situations that you were in a lot on Friday night. And that was really the thing I think that he wants to see them improve because when you get in those, you're going to give up a lot of first downs, as they did in that second drive. But on the offensive side of the ball, it it was pretty interesting to see the contrast between – what Teddy Bridgewater looks like when he's got protection and what he looks like when he doesn't. We we are pretty used to seeing mm-hmm. the latter at this point. We haven't seen a lot of the former, and it was at least encouraging to know that he can run the offense and he can throw the ball down the field a little bit when he's got a pocket to operate in. The deep ball was very nice. Yes. The Thielen throw to me, he made a couple third down throws that I really liked. The Thielen throw on which uh, Thielen made a very nice catch was a nice play. Yep. Uh, what actually really encouraged me about that third down play, though, was while the catch was nice, Jarek McKinnon playing on third down picked up the block. Yeah, and yeah. and that that is an interesting uh, direction because I think we might be going in the direction of Jarek playing more and more on third down in 2016. And the other play was the uh, I believe it was a third down throw to Diggs as well. Yeah. So those are the types of things that you would like to see consistently now. And, and, yes, it's going to call for, for the receivers to make some nice catches as well. Uh, but it's just small things, too, which is if McKinnon picks up that block, it gives Bridgewater time to throw. So, as I said, I hate to get excited by a preseason game. And, in fact, I won't be excited about it. But if you're looking for small increments of progress from 2015 Teddy to this one, yeah. those are at least small indications. Yeah, there are some kernels there that you can... Well put, kernels is good. Yes, there, there are some things there that you can can sort of chew on. And I guess you wouldn't really want to chew on a kernel. You might break one of your teeth. But some, yeah, some popcorn kernels, yeah, they pop they and then you chew on them. You chew on the kernels well, like, at any rate. Hard kernel hurts really sure, bad. You don't yeah, want to do that. Yeah, I mean, Break a crown there's, that way. There are some things that you can at least kind of ruminate on mm-hmm. that you see, okay, when he has a pocket and he's not worried about a defender being in his face right away, and that's almost a bigger deal on pressure up the middle than pressure around the ends because right. while they did give up some pressure around the tackles, they also, as Mike Zimmer said, were able to push some of those edge rushers back into the backfield, and then when they're able to protect in the interior, the, you know Teddy Bridgewater has some time to throw. And I think it was it was interesting to see that. It was also interesting to hear Mike Zimmer say. I, I asked him about the throw to Adam Thielen the other day, and he said, "I don't think that's a throw Teddy makes last year." Norv Turner didn't necessarily agree with that, and whether or not Norv Turner was just disagreeing because he likes to do that, I yes. don't know, but. It was interesting to hear Zimmer say that because I would tend to agree. That it was, was a bit a, of a risky throw. It was. I mean, he, he put it up there and said, I, there's a safety coming down. I'm going to fit the ball in front of here, and I'm going to trust my guy to make a play, and, and Adam Thielen certainly did that. What do you take uh, from the fact that on that first series when, when the, the offensive line was not good, what do you take from the fact that Andre Smith, to me, absolutely got trucked on the one play? I mean, that's the one. I guess on the offensive line, you, you hope Khalil is good, but he's your guy at left tackle. Yeah, uh, Boone is clearly your left guard. The center position's intriguing to me. 
But that right tackle position has gone from being, okay, it's going to be a competition there to, okay, now Phil's retired at right tackle to Smith's a big guy and he looks the part. Yeah. But, I th- but I think his, his resume shows you a guy who looks the part but doesn't always necessarily live up to those expectations. So the right tackle uh, situation to me is intriguing because I'm not sure that job is Andre Smith's. I'm not positive on that. Yeah, one. yeah, and there was you know there's been some debate about this this week. Is it are they trying to send a message to Andre Smith, or is this still up for grabs? I I, I would assume Andre Smith has gotten the message by now. I mean the fact that he was a sixth overall pick in the draft when the Bengals took him, and then he goes from that to coming in here on a one year contract to compete for a job. That should deliver the message. I guess some guys take that different ways, but I think they're still looking at this. I don't think that this is something that they can say. I think in a perfect world, Andre Smith is the guy. Oh, I, I, I agree. do agree with that. Yes, but, I'm with you on that. But I don't think that they are going to sit here and say, "Well, you know, we we trust that he'll be fine. We've seen him before. Mike Zimmer's seen him before, mm-hmm. and it's not really anything to worry about." As the storm clouds gather in the, in the background, ominous. The right tackle position may not be smooth sailing for the Minnesota Vikings. Who uh, who from the sec- Or maybe it will, who knows. It's a preseason. <laughs> no, probably not. Who from the second and third teamers and I'm sure you're going to talk about uh, Curse here. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't cuz he's your Mr. Mankato. I wouldn't use the opportunity. You've been gloating about his game. That's fine. That's fine. Uh who from the uh, second and third team impressed you against the Bengals? Well, on the second team, I think, you know, we saw some of of Laquan Treadwell, it's it's odd to call him second team because he's he's a, a first round pick. But right. I liked a lot of what I saw there. I mean, I, I thought he did a nice job making some catches in traffic. I mean, did some of the things that you hope to see from him, where he becomes that guy that you can trust and, and a guy that, that can go over the middle to to make some plays. In the interest of equal time with Mr. Mankato, David Morgan has done some nice things. David Morgan has played with the first team as well, made a couple nice catches Tight Friday end. night. Yep. Uh, seems to probably be more of a blocking tight end. I, I assume that's probably he where he'll threw, make his He mark. actually threw the block in, in the end zone Yes, when uh, McKinnon sprung out. On what North Turner called a luckout play, yes. That was a, but that was a that was not a bad block. No, it wasn't. That was a nice play. He did a nice job on the backside of that. I mean, yeah. that probably nine times out of ten is a safety, and Derek McKinnon was only able to get to David Morgan's block because he had to make a couple guys miss in the end zone in the sure. first place. But, yes, he did do some nice things there. Um, it's trying to, to. I feel like Justin Tratow had a couple plays where he splashed a little bit. I mean, Justin Tratow has been a guy that, when he gets opportunities, he tends to make plays. He doesn't get a lot of them, and he doesn't ever seem to have a roster spot necessarily secured all the time. But when he's in there, he does do some things that make you see why he's been around, mm-hmm. and he he continues to get some opportunities every once in a while. Adrian Peterson. Uh, this was uh, the subject was broached on Monday. Yes. Uh, to Z- to Zimmer, will Adrian Peterson play in the preseason? Now, to me, this is this is not a huge deal, but it's interesting. It's not. It's interesting. Wait a minute. There's something about Adrian Peterson that's not yeah, exactly. A huge deal but to it's you. still it's still intriguing, and here's why. Zimmer made it very clear in his uh, postseason press conference after the loss to Seattle yes. that he felt he had probably erred in his preseason slash training camp 2015 use of Peterson by not playing him in a preseason game. Yep. Uh, Peterson himself said in the spring, I'd love to play in the exhibition season a little bit. Uh, Peterson got to Mankato, talked 
to the press and mm-hmm. walked that quote way back, yep. way back, and in fact told you at some point before then i'd really like to be on the brett Favre plan which <laughs> yes. which which doesn't mean you don't play in the preseason but it certainly does not make your life all that difficult in the summertime anyway uh zimmer then said on monday in his uh media availability that he's talked to peterson not lately about it but made it very clear it will be up to adrian if he plays yeah in the preseason now my idea has been to get him a few snaps in preseason game number three, mm-hmm. which is because nobody plays in the fourth game and he's not going to play. He didn't play in Cincinnati and he won't play in Seattle. Do you think that the Vikings would be creating a gross injustice and causing their uh, their star back to be in grave danger if they put him in for, let's say, two series at U.S. Bank Stadium against San Diego? I don't think they would be putting him in grave danger. No, I, I mean... Could something happen? Sure. I mean, is there that risk? Yes. But I don't think it would be a bad idea just to to get a little bit of a look, especially considering the fact that the toughest part of your schedule is early in the season. I mean, you have a game in Tennessee week one Mm -hmm. that is not a cakewalk by any means. I mean, I think a lot of people figure they're going to win that game. But with what Tennessee's offense can do and and some of the improvements they've made on the other side of the ball, I – don't know that that's one you just sit there and pencil in as a win, and then the next two weeks you've got Green Bay and Carolina. So you need to come out of the gates playing pretty well, yes. starting fast, so you can't really afford to have that sort of feeling out period with the offense that you had last year. You need to be clicking early, and I, I, I don't think it would be a bad idea to get him a little bit of work just to see, okay, can we do some things with you in the shotgun? Let's at least get a couple plays where you have to read that and, and try to figure out what the, the footwork and the steps look like in those plays. Mm-hmm. Let's see where you're at maybe picking up a blitz, see where you're at coming out of the backfield. Just try to do a few different things with him to have some sense of can this work. But, and I, I think you alluded to this before, maybe they're getting to a point where they know what he's going to be able to do and they know that it's going to be something of a limit to how much they put him on the field. Yeah, and and my point has been I thought if the coaching staff is guilty of one thing last year, yeah. it was going through the preseason and training camp with a complete lack of preparation because after the San Francisco San Francisco game when they were awful on offense, they really had to morph things quickly. I don't think that's going to happen again, but I do think it's I think it's interesting to probably have told Bridgewater, look, you're incredibly important here. This is your offense. I want you to do this and that and take charge. But then to tell him, but you know what? Peterson's not going to play. Yeah, I, it's a and it's not that Bridgewater and the offensive players are going to be mad about that. They won't be. It's just to me the perception of you're all in this together. No one gets special rules. Uh, but my point is, Zimmer had an interesting quote about when asked if he would like to see Peterson play. He said. I can see him play on highlights all the time. Yeah, you can read that as, "Oh man, the guy is great. I love him." I re- I read it slightly this way. I am not going to be surprised if McKinnon is the third down back now. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that Peterson will never play on third down. That doesn't mean that they, as, as you've talked about, they both could be on the field on third down. McKinnon can spread out wide, split out wide. Uh, but that being said, I do wonder if they've gotten to the point. Peterson's 31. He's mm-hmm. coming off a season in which he had a ton of carries. He's played this game for a long, long time. If the Vikings couldn't justify to themselves and potentially 
Peterson, hey, if we're going to be at our best, you're our first and second down guy, and Jarek's going to be instrumental on third down. That's the one thing, because if you're going to do that, you could back off this, man, the shotgun's going to be important, uh, picking up blocks, catching the ball. You'd be much more back in an early Peterson phase where you just say, go run the ball. Yeah, I I guess I kind of read the Mike Zimmer response as, I'm annoyed with this line of questioning, and I want to give a, a flippant response to hopefully get us to move on to something else. And you might be right, too. I, I mean, I, I think yeah. there was there was probably a little bit of that. I mean, he there are certain questions, and I think certain times where people that maybe get under his skin a little bit are asking those questions that get a little bit of a different response than other times or other people. That being said, I do think that it's very possible that – Jarek McKinnon's your third down guy. I think Jarek McKinnon's going to be a lot more involved with this offense than he has been in the past. I think that's going to happen a lot earlier in the season. They have used him a ton, motioning him out of the backfield. I mean, we've seen it just about every practice down here that they've been lining him up, motioning him out of the backfield, or just lining him up as a receiver, sure. in which case you could put him and Peterson on the field at the same time together. But I also do wonder if, yeah, if they're going to say, okay, Jarek McKinnon's our third down guy. The only problem I have with that mm-hmm. is – if you are back in this mode of if Peterson then I formation, if McKinnon then shotgun, or at the very least if Peterson then I formation, you be, kind of become predictable again, don't you? I mean, if you can't have any well, time where Peterson's in the shotgun, then yes. everybody sort of knows what's coming. Yes, but this also th- this whole conversation is also predicated on two things uh, above and beyond the two backs one offensive line yeah if the offensive line falls apart again now you got to keep a tight end in and it makes you much more one-dimensional and the other thing is have they finally got have they got bridgewater a a trio or more of receivers who fit with what he does yeah mike wallace might be fine in baltimore i have no idea he just wasn't a good fit laquan treadwell strikes me charles johnson strikes me Diggs is for sure a better fit yep but this really, this entire conversation, to me, starts with the offensive line. If the offensive line can hold its own, you can do a lot of things. Yeah. If they can't, now you got to keep people in. People become less productive, potentially, as receivers, and you become one-dimensional. And it, those two series in Cincinnati were a snapshot. Yeah. The first series, Bridgewater took Bridgewater made a mistake. I think it was second down. McKinnon is wide open on a check down, mm-hmm, yep. and Bridgewater should have seen him and thrown the ball to him. But nonetheless, the pressure was coming. And then on the next play, it's coming again. So that first series is, is okay, if that's how you're going to block, then guys have to stay in and help pass protect. The second series is, no, here's some protection, and now at least now you've got some time to find guys. Yeah, I think it was sort of this kind of – pretty clear crystallization kind of this Jekyll and Hyde thing of we've talked about and they've said it that the only thing Teddy really needs I mean yeah we'll get him some more weapons but the main thing he needs is better protection and you saw when he had it what happened and you saw what happened when he didn't have it mm-hmm. I mean yes the, the second down play to McKinnon probably should have let the ball go earlier on that but but he's still under pressure right yeah it still was a situation where he didn't have the time to throw that you would like in a perfect world he's not always going to have that but yep. You'd like to see him get that more often than not. And on the second drive, he did, and you saw what happened. 
There's a party on our podcast, and you're invited. Hey, everyone, Anthony Maggio here. Join me, Bo Mitchell, and John Tuvey every Thursday through Week 16 of the NFL season for 1500 ESPN's Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. Injuries, Ben Gessling. Yes. Tell me this. Which ones mean something? And we don't know a lot about them. Mm-hmm. Should make that clear. Yes. A little bit about a few guys here and there that might have been discussed on uh, Friday's telecast. Uh, but we don't know a lot about them. Tell me uh, which guys are out and it should make Vikings fans nervous and which guys are out and, you, and you're saying to yourself, ah, yeah. not a big deal. The the injury that worries me the most is probably Sharif Floyd because we know that that's a knee. Mike Zimmer alluded to that earlier in the offseason that Floyd is still dealing with things that he dealt with last year when he had cartilage removed from his knee. And we found out again on the broadcast Friday night that, yes, it is still a knee injury. Mm -hmm. Sharif Floyd has had enough of these now, and he's going into year four, a year where he needs to play well enough to get them to hold on to that option next spring. He's got to show that he could be healthy. Mike Zimmer has said he's not going to be on a pitch count. We're not going to restrict his snaps. But you need to see him on the field enough to know that, A, he can be a key part of this thing now, and B, that he's part of your future. Mm -hmm. So that's the one that worries me a little bit. Jerry is right talking to him today. It didn't sound like a huge deal. Mike Zimmer said yesterday that he feels like Wright is going to come back soon. Wright, it seems like a calf injury. Wouldn't really talk about it under this sort of embargo that they're under with injuries, at least until the season starts. But had a sleeve on his calf. He He had a sleeve on his left calf. That's going to give it away every time. And he admitted that. We said, well, that's not really a fashion (laughs) statement, is it? He's like, yeah, it kind of gives it away, doesn't it? And he said, I'll I'll be able to talk to you guys more about it in the near future. So maybe there'll be a – I mean, when an injury report comes out, they kind of have to deal with some of this stuff. But that one I don't think is a huge deal. Eric Kendricks – we found out as a hamstring that worries me a little just because hamstrings tend to be problematic kind of lingering things and mm-hmm. Eric Kendricks was a guy that played a little bit banged up at times last year and a guy that is looked really good in training camp when he's healthy and I, I think a guy that you want to see a lot of I mean other than that I guess I don't worry about a ton of them I it's just so hard to know in the preseason when you have all of these guys that are being held out and you don't have all the information right a lot of these things could just the be the Floyd hey. one though the Floyd one I'm with you on yeah because Sharif Floyd it feels like he is he is handled as if he's 36 yeah a little bit you know he's one and bit. and he's a valuable guy but man going back to his first year I think Staying in, staying on the field consistently has been a problem. Yes, it has. And was it last year that that Zimmer brought up the fact that he's got to stay on the field? And that's not saying I don't think in any way, shape, or form, Ben. That's saying that a guy should play hurt. Yeah. That's saying if I can't rely on you to be on the field, that's a problem. And by the way, you also play a position where you're always going to be hurting. Yes. yes. That's the thing. If if you are a lineman in football, either side of the ball. You might be healthy yeah. the first day of training camp, and after that, until you get to the uh, off season, you're going to be banged up. Yeah, so that's a problem. There. Yeah, and the thing that worries me with him too is that a lot of these things tend to be on weight bearing parts of your body, and we all know with linemen and with bigger guys in general that when you have that, those things are issues because those guys have to bear a lot of weight. So. 
when you have knees and feet and ankles and, and those types of things are consistently coming up. And they probably always hurt. Yeah, they, they probably do. But if those are issues when you're 25, that's exactly that that's makes it you to worried because what's it going to be when you're 30? Yes. Yeah. You know, if if he was in his 10th year, you'd yeah. be like, OK, it's maintenance. No big deal. But when you're in your, what, fourth year, you just said? Yeah. yeah. Then it gets to be like, okay, something's wrong here. Uh, by the way, we're also supposed to see Cordell Patterson on Thursday in Seattle, we are. correct? Yes, yes. Mike Hallelujah. Never said let's see what can that, happen. Uh, he, he should play Thursday night. And uh, I, I would expect that we will see a fair amount of him if he is, in fact, healthy enough to play. What do you expect from him? I mean, because <laughs> we got the, the offseason, hey, he looks better. My theory during the offseason was that they were hoping he would come to camp, be decent, and maybe try and trade him. Yeah. Um, but I, did, I do find it intriguing that a guy who year after year, what, the first three years or so, hasn't gotten it, has the flip, has the light switch gone on, or are we sort of being fed this propaganda in hopes of, of getting, I don't know, take your pick, the 49ers to buy in on Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I. I do think it's interesting that Mike Zimmer has been as complimentary of him as he has, knowing that Mike Zimmer, A, is not a guy that just gives out praise like it's Skittles, and B, that Mike Zimmer is a guy that hasn't been shy about saying what Cordero Patterson isn't doing right in the past. Could that be part of a ploy to pump up his trade value? Possibly. I, Mike, that doesn't strike me as much as Mike Zimmer's style, but I mean, he could be getting I got a question for you, that. though, about that subject. The injury situation prompted me to think of this. Mike Zimmer got here, and I honestly don't think. I think in his heart of hearts he is a football coach. Yep. And if you told him tomorrow the, the National Football League is gone under, Division One is gone, you got to go coach Eden Prairie High School, he'd be like, okay, that's fine. He got here, and in my opinion, he, he's a football coach. If guys are hurt, they're hurt. He'll tell you about it, and yep. that's it. Do you do you think we are seeing a strategy though when it comes to injuries are not being discussed now? And by the way, they don't have to be. Uh, but yeah, but he's but he yeah, is a couple weeks. But he's talking up players now more. Do you think that 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 the GM in this case Spielman is also urging Mike to be a little bit more executive friendly? Because if he gets if he tells you, listen, guys, Cordero Patterson's awful. He's yeah. never going to learn. Rick Spielman makes phone calls, and everyone says, forget about it. Do you think there's a chance here that Mike is growing more savvy as well? And and this is not a bad thing. Ultimately, if you're a fan, I guess it's a good thing. But the savviness is to keep as much in-house as possible so that if I try and trade a guy and I call a team up, they don't say, well, I just saw it on your site, for instance, that Cordell sure. Patterson's terrible. Sure, yeah, that's possible. And Rick Spielman has talked a little bit about how Mike Zimmer has a better sense of the overall job as, as as it relates to scouting, as it relates to what the front office is doing. And Mike Zimmer has talked about, I have a better handle on some of the, the things, the ancillary parts of the job than I than I did when I first came in. So, yeah, I, there is that possibility. I, I think I certainly think the injury thing. It's just is, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, he doesn't is. care. No, he doesn't. But I, I think I certainly think. How should I put this? The injury thing, I think he has been made to see the value well, in 
being more oh, yeah. discreet. Well, he made some early on in his tenure here, because I saw these, he made some sideways comments about, I got in trouble with Rick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't try and hide yes, that. Did. Yes, he did. And I think at the time it annoyed him, and it still might. And he might just think, think to himself, bleep it. It's easier not to tell you guys what's wrong. Yeah. But I do, I just, I thought the Patterson thing, it really intrigued me because we all said, well, this isn't his style to praise someone who, who he doesn't believe in. Yeah. But I also believe that it would be an easy sell to a coach to say, hey, if you want to get rid of this bozo and you don't like him, you're going to make my life a lot easier as a GM to trade said player. Yeah. If you go along with the company line, which is, I, I looked out in the field and glory be, I saw this guy <laughs> running routes precisely. Yeah. Yeah, it could be something where it would be very interesting to me if this were the case, that after he gets a head coaching job, he learns the value of playing politics. Because that was always the thing we heard about him, right, is that he, didn't. he would go into these interviews yes. and he wouldn't do it. And then he gets a team that finally says, we, we like you the way you are. And then you get in there and you say, okay, I see the the value of uh, being a little more discreet about some of these things. And if it, I get it. If it's a choice between – being nice with us and doing things that are copacetic with a guy that gave you a contract extension that pays you a reported $5 million a year, I think I'd make the same choice. I'm with you. I don't begrudge him that. But it, it does kind of make you think that maybe there's a little bit of an evolution going on there. But uh, shifting gears from Cordell Patterson to a draft pick that yes. we know yes. was not a success. He's back in the NFL He's got a one-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Adam Schefter reported this afternoon. Christian Ponder. I don't know. Giving up his babysitting duty to get back to playing quarterback in the National Football League. What transpired in San Francisco where you have uh, Blaine Gabbert and Kaepernick? Now, Kaepernick's been dealing with an injury of some sort, right? Didn't I see that he's been banged up? So Blaine Gabbert is the guy now, uh, at least for now, Chip Kelly obviously taken over as head coach, but uh, Christian Ponder. Now, the last time, so Ponder went to camp with Oakland last year, got let go, and was signed at some point during last season when Denver, Denver yeah. when Denver was short and spent a very brief time with uh, the Broncos. So I'm curious now, is Ponder actually going to get a chance to stick in San Francisco, or are we talking about, a, again, a situation where a guy is banged up, he's there to hold a clipboard for now, take a few snaps, and then it'll be see a Christian again. I think that's probably more likely than not. I mean, it's probably a situation where, okay, we need a quarterback. We need some depth. This guy's played in the league. Let's see what he can do. He's mobile enough. I mean, he was athletic enough when he was here. Maybe he fits in that Chip Kelly offense. He's a guy that can run around a little bit. Maybe they want to collect as many members of the 2011 first-round quarterback class as they can. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it, and I didn't even think of that. Was it Kaepernick in that draft too? Uh, I think he was in that draft, but he was, he was a, later. He was a second or third-round pick. Yeah, because the 49ers got praised for. Well, that draft had what? That waiting. draft: Cam Newton. Yep. Jake Locker went eight to Tennessee. Yeah. Blaine Gabbert. Um, Blaine Gabbert went just before the Vikings yep. picked to Jacksonville, yep. and now he's in San Francisco. Yep. Ponder after that. Kaepernick later yeah was dalton in that draft too dalton was second round yep okay yep so there were there and, were five or six and so was them. ponder the last first round quarterback from that draft i feel like there was one more but i don't I remember who it you are been. right that draft oh, though let us look that that up. That, that draft tap dance for yeah minute. no 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 that draft ben gessling is the cautionary tale of the musical quarterback game 
which was which was every team that didn't have a quarterback went into a blind panic and just said, we're taking one, we're taking one. I remember in the lead-up to that draft covering it, um, Jake Locker, they decided that he was so inaccurate that the quote-unquote draft experts had him falling to the second round, and he ended up being, if I'm not mistaken, at 8 to Tennessee, the second quarterback taken, and Jake Locker is now retired. So yeah. that's the cautionary. That was the musical quarterback draft, though, which is we got to have a quarterback. we got to take one. I don't care. And so the Vikings took Ponder. Yeah, and he was, in fact, the last first-round quarterback All right. taken that year. The next guy to go, mm-hmm. I believe, would have been Andy Dalton. Yes. He, Andy Dalton and Colin – in fact, Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick went with back-to-back picks, 35 and 36 in the second round. So Ponder ended the, the run of them, and then people kind of dropped off from there, which makes you wonder – couldn't they have, have traded back and maybe gotten something else? And so if you're, couldn't if, they have done something else? If, if you're Rick Spielman, do you like to see Ponder get more chances because it might justify the fact that, that he should at least wear a jersey in this league? Or do you just break into a cold sweat every time his name crosses a transaction wire? Because we because do the last Because the last thing you ever want to be reminded of is Ponder. Because Christian Ponder, I mean, Cordero Patterson, hey, look. That was a bad trade. You gave up way too many picks yep. to Belichick again, who got you. Including Jamie Collins. Yeah. Not that you would have drafted him necessarily. No, but it was. But at least that was a late first-round trade. Yeah. And, yeah, it blew up. But it's a wide receiver. Ponder was the guy that you, just like with Teddy now, you put all your eggs in this basket at the yeah. most important position on the field without question. Well, and we, we were talking about politics before, and it's interesting with first-round quarterbacks. There are so many politics in the NFL that go into when you draft that guy. You are basically now tied to that guy for three years at least, maybe longer than that. And even if you are saying privately, well, we're not sure about this guy, Publicly, you have to be behind him because I remember when Matt Castle came in in 2013, it was, mm-hmm. oh, he's the backup. Christian's the starter. We're, we're solid behind Christian. We've told Matt he's going to be the backup. By week five of that year, Matt Castle was the starter. And the other thing, going into 20, it would have been before, the 2012 draft, and the Vikings coaches were down at the Senior Bowl. Right. They loved Russell Wilson. Now, I don't know that the Vikings – coaching staff at that time had the best eye for quarterback evaluation i think they liked a lot of russell wilson's intangibles Mm -hmm. but they felt like this guy is a winner we want him on our team they went to the coaching they went to the front office and said we love this guy at the time you were a year in with christian ponder you couldn't spend a high pick on him because then the the obvious narrative would have been well what are you saying about ponder right but could you have taken him in the third round and said, well, we need another young quarterback to develop and we're a forward-thinking team every year yeah instead they take josh robinson now, I mean, we can we can play this game all day. Does Russell Wilson turn into Russell Wilson if he's here? I don't know. Right. I I've, I find that a little I've hard to said, believe. But I've always said the out on Ponder was so simple. You don't beat Carolina. In fact, I think if Graham Gano doesn't miss that field goal at Carolina, yeah. in the three and thirteen season, that that's a Carolina win. Yep. And if Adrian Peterson's going to blow his knee sky high like yeah. he did on Christmas Eve in Washington, you might as well lose that game too. Yeah, and now you're one in fifteen. You get Andrew Luck, and you get Luck. And and I think, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here, they probably would have lost that Washington game if Ponder hadn't got hurt. 
Because didn't Webb come in? Because Webb had that yeah. year where he'd come in about three. He came in three times, and no one knew what to make of him. He just kind of went wild on everything, yes. and then nobody knew how to stop him. Yes, and that and that was that was why the playoff game at Green Bay in 2012 always amazed me. Yeah. when they ran essentially the Joe Webb offense for one series, and the Packers are like, "What the heck is this?" And we're completely off balance. And then yeah. the Vikings said, "Okay, Joe." Now we want you to be Christian Ponder, run right. that offense, right? And of course, the Vikings just fell apart. Yeah, I mean, like, the overall—it's a fun game. To play. Yeah, the overall issue I think is when you get into these these first round picks with quarterbacks, and they've gotten better results from Bridgewater to this point. But you do still go with a little bit of this, where there's this this narrative of Teddy's our guy. We believe in Teddy, and I, I think that's true. I think they do believe in him. But you get to a point with these guys where if they are as unsuccessful as Christian Ponder was, you get in this trap of, okay, do we keep saying that we believe in him because we don't want to acknowledge that we made a mistake and then maybe he'll come around or do we turn around and, and do something else quickly so that we can go a different direction? And what's not, and I, I, guess, I guess my question with Teddy is this too, Ben, what would be a failure? Because he's won games. He's, yep. he's certainly not great, but... We get so fixated on Rodgers and Brady and, and upper echelon quarterbacks in this league, which is fine because those guys are fun to watch and they're great quarterbacks. Uh, but a lot of times we don't look around the rest of the league then and see that uh, that success comes in a lot of different ways, shapes, and forms. Now, I will say this. I remember Ponder by about year three thinking he doesn't have it yep. at all. Yep. In Ted, with Teddy, I wouldn't say that. Uh, but it, it will be interesting uh, coming out of 2016, depending on how this team does, to see what we pass as, okay, that was successful enough or good enough yeah. or a flat-out, this isn't working. Because yeah. if you pull that plug again, if you hit that reset button again and again and again, that, my good man, is how people lose their jobs. Yes, it is. And that, that ultimately is going to be, as, as solid as this foundation looks right now, that is going to be the thing that this group is judged on is – You've now had two opportunities to get a first-round quarterback. Should you get a third if it comes to that? And I, I, I want to be careful here. Everybody's probably listening to this saying, oh, you guys are ready to run Teddy out the door. We're not. No, no, we're curious. He's done a lot of good things. Yes. I, I am not ready to sign off and say this guy is a 10-year starter. He's going to be the man here. Everything's good to go. There's still a lot of things we need to see, and I, I think there's still things that they've said they need to see. But – it is one of those things. I mean, it's it's always one of those jobs where yeah. people's fates in a lot of corners of the organization are tied into how a quarterback performs. Yes, and this is why I want to see the offensive line hold up and play well because yep. I, I want to see Bridgewater get the chance. Let's take out all the variables. Yeah, exactly. See what he can do. Because if, if your left tackle is leaking again or your right tackle is not good, then we're back to, okay, yeah, he wasn't great, but but there was this, there was that, and then it becomes Peterson's offense again. So, as you said, if we take out the variables and start with the offensive line played well and now the quarterback has time to sit in the pocket and find guys, that's my starting point of now we can judge the quarterback as, a, as opposed to trying to look across the offense and saying, well, he didn't play great, but, but this guy didn't play great, and this yeah. guy. So, We've spent enough time putting Viking fans through – conversation about Christian Ponder. Let's shift to something that'll make him happy. Let's talk about Clay Matthews and Al Jazeera, shall we? <laughs> this is the this is the darned so we're talking about Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, Julius Peppers James Harrison of Pittsburgh, yep. and Mike Neal, a former, former Packer Packers. linebacker who's yep. a free agent. Okay. Yep. Yes. 
Go ahead and explain this. So basically, Al Jazeera had put out this story, I think, accusing these four guys, in addition to Peyton Manning, of using PEDs. There was all this evidence that turned out to be sort of circumstantial, and I think the author has recanted a lot of this. Peyton Manning ended up the source recanted it. Yeah, yeah, he said I didn't. I didn't really. Yeah, I mean, didn't mean it. And then Peyton Manning meets with the league and is very cooperative. Funny after he wins the Super Bowl and retires, he's happy to sing like a bird, I guess. But so he does that, and then now the NFL is telling these four other guys, "You have to talk to us about this report by I think August twenty fifth or twenty sixth." Yes. Or we are suspending you for conduct detrimental, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting and very dangerous precedent. I, I suppose it sort of goes off of what they did with Tom Brady in the fact that they suspended him because he more likely than not deflated footballs and was not cooperative enough in turning over his cell phone and destroyed the deflate gate and destroyed the yes. cell phone. Right. Yes. Get rid of the records. So, I mean, Kevin Seifert wrote about this this morning, and I thought it's a good point is that you are. If you go along with this, if the NFLPA goes along with this, and if these players go along with it, you are now setting up a precedent where there's this report out there that says some bad things about you, and we don't really have to tell you how much evidence we have. We don't have to tell you whether or not we have data. We want to bring you in and grill you about this. Yes. Or you are not getting on the field. To me, Mm -hmm. that's an awfully dangerous precedent. And if I'm the union, I'm going to fight that tooth and nail. The issue for those players is... Yep. And it certainly could affect the the shape of the division a little bit here as we talk about you know, two current Packers players in this group. I mean, I thought Adrian Peterson got into this. The, the worst thing that happened to Adrian Peterson in 2014 as far as his chances to get back on the field is when this became about the NFLPA versus the NFL over the issue of how much power Roger Goodell has in player discipline over player conduct violations. Mm-hmm. When he didn't go to that meeting that November – and the NFLPA told them not to because we don't know what you're walking into. You don't know if this is a an inquisition or if it's just a, a chat with Roger Goodell. And then it became like a week later that he got suspended. I remember when he didn't go to that meeting and it came out that he had, had decided not to go to that meeting. I remember thinking this is not going to end quickly or quietly because he is now caught in the crossfire of a bigger issue than just what he did in disciplining his son, and now this has become something where he's a pawn. The NFL is now handing out flat-out Brady Peterson if it, it happens to these guys. They're handing out suspensions, lengthy ones at times, for defiance. Yeah. Nothing to do with what you really did. Everything to do with we told you to cooperate and you didn't. I don't – the NFL has – players have very short careers, and I understand that they need – that guys don't want to go on strike for the greater good yeah. because you can't – unlike baseball, for instance, if I strike at the age of 30, I don't get a year off and then at 34 or 35 get to play that year because I'm fresh from the sure. year off. You're sure. done. Yeah. I understand all that. However, the CBA, uh, which was signed, I think, in 2011 after the silliest lockout of all time because it was yes. an off-season lockout, uh, expires in 2020. The way things are going right now, there's no way they can't strike. No yeah, way. And, and, but, but the NFLPA has no one to blame but itself. I completely they, agree. One, one, they allowed the owners to say, we're locking you out in March. They yeah. should have laughed at them and said, you know what? Come back and talk to us in July. Mm-hmm. Instead, they went into a panic. They're not even getting paid at that time. Players went into it, and the NFL sold it as if, I, I mean, I remember ESPN 
Sports Center carrying this, they sold it as if they were really locked out. We, yeah. we were losing OTAs and mini camps. They still had the draft. Um, but the other thing, too, is look at what they did. The NFLPA sat there and said, okay, here's the concessions we want. We don't want press coverage in off-season practices. Yeah. We, want, we don't want two-a-days. We don't want nobody thought about. No pads and spray. Yeah, which, which is fine. I yeah. get all that. But how these idiots didn't think to themselves, honestly, Ben, how do you not think to yourself, you know, we're about to sign something that gives a commissioner who we know is an egomaniac. Yes. We're about to give him full control and a billion-dollar league. We're about to sign away our lives. And the reason they're going to have to go on strike if this doesn't get fixed because they signed a terrible deal. Yeah, no, they but, no recourse in it. But the, re- and, but the reason that they're going to, to have to go on strike is this can, if this can happen to Brady and Peterson, mm-hmm. it can happen to anyone. So – you need you need to draw a, lo- a line in the sand and say, yeah. Roger, we can't have you. It, it, if you want to hand down suspensions, that's fine. But this has to be arbitrated. And the problem is this. These guys now, if they get suspended for the Al Jazeera report, which has been retracted, yeah. if they get suspended, they can go to court and they can fight it. But they're going to ultimately lose. Because now there's precedent. Because in Brady, in Brady, what's the precedent? You signed away your yep. lives. Yep. You signed away. So if the NFL comes back in 2020 and says, okay, boys, here's a raise, and, and you know, now you don't have to have practices in May, but we're keeping all this power, they're going to have to go on strike. They're going to have yeah. to go on strike. There's no way you can allow this to continue. You are being pushed around at every turn. You might have the weakest union, not in pro sports, but in the country. Yeah. You yeah. name me another union that's this embarrassing. The teachers' union in Wisconsin, when they got blown out of collective bargaining, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, when when I was a kid, throw teachers under the bus too much, but when I was a kid, I think Reagan fired the air traffic controllers. Yeah, yeah. But you you name me another union that gets that basically they have no they have no rights. They have easier working conditions in the off season. Yeah, that's it. So you got to go out. Well, and the thing is too I mean, with Peterson, that that is the reason why everybody thought when he sent that to court that it was going to be a slam-dunk win for the NFL because there's this precedent. I think the phrase they use is law of the shop. In other words, you sign a CBA that mm-hmm. says the commissioner can do this, and now you're saying what we sign is unfair. It's like, well, wait a minute. You signed the document. Yes. And the fact that they won here with David Doty overseeing that case in February 2014 was a big upset because the the prevailing argument was, okay, even if this is unfair – both parties agreed to this. You're okay with it. And that's ultimately why that decision that Doty made got overturned right. because the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, this is a law of the shop issue. Same thing with Brady. That'll be the same thing coming up here because this I, – I have a feeling what's going to happen with this is the NFLPA is going to say, do not go talk to them. I think they have already, actually. Yes. I think these players aren't going yeah. in mass because Harrison they were told not come, to go. You can come to me yes. if you want. Yes. But they'll get suspended. This will go to court. They'll probably end up playing this year while this is caught in appeals. But ultimately, some judge will say, guys, I know it's unfair, but take it up with the union that signed this deal because this, according to the letter of the law, is something they are allowed to do. Yeah, and if you were – and if you're the judge, do you even hear the case at this point or do you just say, 
you already signed away your rights. I mean, the Tom Brady example, to me, if I'm the judge, I just say, boys, it's over. Yeah. I mean, there is I'm not, not going to. I'm not going to now undo that case. The more precedent there is yeah. in the NFL's favor, the yeah. tougher it is to see this ever getting turned around. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. This feels like one of those things that could become a pretty big battleground going forward here. It's certainly something that'll bear watching, especially as it could affect the balance of the NFC North as the Vikings try to defend it for the second year in a row and the Packers try to get back on top. We will certainly be watching that as we get into the the future weeks here. We will also be watching the return of the Vikings to Seattle, the return of Blair Walsh to Seattle, which isn't really a big storyline despite what you might read Talk about some places this week. Talk about Seattle, Blair. Yeah, as silly as that is, we will, uh, we will be back to review other parts of the Vikings' second preseason game later this week. And we will take you towards the big opening of U.S. Bank Stadium next Sunday in the iconic third preseason. Play Peterson. That's all I got to say. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.